Thank you. Can we get is one more microphone as well? Would be great. Well, it's so nice to be back in Michigan in the heat of Michigan. It's kind of cooled off today, but it was great being in Vandalia last night. That was really a blast uh, to see um, even more growth and more things happening. And um, so, yeah. Hello, everyone. Yes, we can switch. I move around more than Scott. Some things never change. Now, how many of I see a lot of new faces when I look out here this morning, and the room looks great. I am very impressed. I have to admit to holding some some slight jealousy at bay last night that you're starting your new church with a building. For those of you who don't know, we have spent the last. Yeah. We have zero buildings. We set up and tear down church every single week at a YMCA. So you see that that masterful display on the back wall there. We have a whole additional section, which is people who have to set up and tear down church every single week. So every chair, every piece of a sound equipment, every wire, the soundboard, everything we do, we put up and collapse every single week. So be glad <laughs> that you have a building and, and we're believing the Lord uh, for a building soon. I'm actually very glad you have a building out in Vandalia. How many of you got out there last night? I was just so excited. I feel like God is going to do amazing things, and I feel like it's certainly not the first uh, church plan or the second or the third that you guys will send out. I think there's lots more churches coming, so get ready. Okay, well, we heard that you guys have been focusing on the topic of serving. Is that right? And, and this is the amazing display on the back wall. And this morning we wanted to join in with that theme. And I'm going to be reading today from Genesis 24. And this is quite convenient because that's what I taught on last week at our church. And I began to see that this actually works for a message on serving. And it also works for some of the things that have been on my heart. So everyone is going to be happy today. Okay. All right, well, let's read. Uh, As we read this uh, passage today, um, we know that in the Old Testament, Abraham can be seen as a type of the father, and Isaac can be seen as a type of the son. And we see that particularly in the narrative where Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac, and it reminds us of how the father sacrificed his own son. And as we read this narrative today, I want to introduce you to an idea that the oldest servant in this uh, story is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So let's read together as we remember those types. Now Abraham, starting in Genesis 24 and verse 1, now Abraham was old and well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, everybody say the oldest servant, who ruled over all that he had. You know, the Holy Spirit has access to the fullness of God the Father. In fact, Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthians, who has known the mind of God except for the Spirit of God? For the Spirit searches out even the depths of God and reveals those things to us. And so 
Abraham says to this oldest servant, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth. That was like the the Old Testament pinky promise, I think, kind of you can picture that. And um, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family. And here is a little picture of the father's heart that he is developing for himself, a bride for his son Jesus from the church and not from the world. And this whole narrative here is about um, a mandate that is given to the servant to go out and find a bride for the the son, Isaac. And today on the earth, one of the mandates that the Holy Spirit has, I believe, is to prepare for Jesus a bride. And that really is the heart of the father. And so we read on in verse 5. And the servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. And I love this because it's this marvelous picture of the kind of free will that we have. You see, the Holy Spirit might put it on your heart to do something or to go somewhere, or he might call you after him in a certain direction, but you always have the right to say no under the kind of free will that is offered to you. And even, you know, as that marvelous thing is on the back wall, every single one of us has the right to say no, even if God is leading us in a direction. I don't think we want to always take that right but I remember years ago, I used to go to a church in Scotland, and um, I think they were doing a drive to serve or something. And the pastor had the marvelous idea of um, making an overhead that had the names of all the people who weren't currently serving in the church and just put it up there during the sermon. <laughs> that is not the look we're going for. Can we get that? Thank you. We're really going for the hard sell this morning. <clears throat> And so uh, the story goes on. The servant, in verse 10, the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed for all of his master's goods were in his hand. And basically what happens is this servant goes out to a well. And of course, in scripture, wells are those places where God seems to encounter men in specific ways. And he goes to this well and it's the evening and all the women are coming to fill up their pitchers with water. And he has this little idea. And so he prays something like this. He says, God of Abraham, have it be that the woman that is going to be the right woman for Isaac will offer to get me a drink, but she won't just offer me a drink. You see, offering the servant a drink would have been normal protocol at that time. If a woman was coming to draw water and she saw a man sitting, it would have been expected for her to offer him a drink. But he says, have it be that she offers to get all of my camels a drink too. And that's exactly what happened. And we can read about it here in verse 17. And the servant ran to meet her and said, please let me drink a little from your pitcher. And she said, drink, my Lord. Then quickly she let her pitcher down and to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, huh, I will draw water for your camels also until they finish drinking. And then quickly she emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all of his camels. Everybody say camels. 
Okay. And the man was wondering at her. Now listen, he would have had a bit of time to wonder at her, and I'll tell you why. Do you know that one camel can drink in one sitting 20 gallons of water? So when she was offering to go and draw water for these camels, she was offering to enter into some extreme physical labor. Camels. Even assuming there was only two, that would have been 40 gallons of water in perhaps a five or six gallon pitcher. On top of that, she would have had to fill for her own family and walk all the way home. And I think it's interesting that the kind of bride this servant was looking for was the kind of woman who didn't mind doing a bit of hard work, you know. And as we were talking about this in our own church last week, the application I was making was, are we willing to embrace the camels? And as I was reading this story, you know, in scripture, camels can represent some different things, but to me... This spoke about the things that the Holy Spirit sometimes brings with him that we might not quite know how to accommodate. And certainly in our stream, that might look something like, you know, have you ever seen somebody shake or become physically affected when the Holy Spirit shows up? Sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up and people get a prophetic word or sometimes they speak in tongues. And, and these in North American modern church culture can sometimes be the thing that we have to say, am I willing to give that a place as well? Because sometimes we have to labor to make a place for these things. And in your church, in this church, and I think we inherited the anointing, there is something about ministry to children that the Holy Spirit is doing. We have so many kids. This is your fault. I blame this entirely on this house. But you know what? It is what the Holy Spirit is doing. Are we willing to labor to make a place for what he's doing, even if it feels like hard work? That is the question. Verse 22. So it was when the camel had finished drinking that the man took a gold nose ring and a uh, weighing half a shekel and two bracelets. Basically, he blings her up. He gives her all of this jewelry. And as I read that, it reminds me that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. We don't serve alone. We serve with the gifts that he's given us. And we know that in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 14, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are there to help you serve. In Romans 12, it talks about the seven motivational gifts that are there to help you understand what it is that makes you tick as you serve. You need to be adorned with those things as Rebecca was adorned with those things because in the Lord's eyes, those things make you beautiful. Those things make you attractive. They're not beautiful to the world, maybe, but they are to the Lord. And the gifts of the Spirit have always been the agenda of the Father for the church. And then we see that Rebecca goes home. And of course, when she walks in home, her brother takes one look at her with all this jewelry on and says, where on earth have you just come from? You know, the world should look at you and say, what is that 
that you have? What's that thing that you're adorned with? We should be adorned with the gifts that God gives us. And so Rebecca explains the whole story to her brother. And in verse 31, something very important happens. And he said, this being Laban, come in to the servant who was standing outside with his camels. Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men that were with him. Now we learn he has even more than camels. He comes with a whole bunch of stuff. And it's, I believe in this story we can say that Laban is a type of authority in the church because he had authority over Rebecca, who is a type of the bride of Christ. And he looked out and he said to this servant, don't stand outside, come in. And now I will labor to make a place for you. And I am so in happy to belong to a movement of churches where the leadership are saying, come in, Holy Spirit. Come in, agendas of God. Come in the plans that you have for this church, and we will labor to make a place for you and your camels and the men you bring with you. And you know what? It is going to be work at that point. But there is a willingness. And, of course, the servant goes on to tell the whole story to Laban and his household. And at the end of it all, they all come to the agreement that this is really peculiar and it must be God. And then something very important happens in verse 57. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. And then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? You know, that's the question I would ask you today. Will you go as the Holy Spirit is leading you? I remember a pivotal moment for me, and I know I'm coming to the end of my time, but some years ago when we were here, when maybe seven or eight weeks went by in our staff meeting where Cameron would say, we really need to come up with a plan for kids' ministry. What are we going to do with kids' ministry? And I would think, oh, Lord, come up with a plan for kids' ministry. Yes, Lord. Let's pray about it. And my mindset was I had worked in kids' ministry for years. That was my job. I was employed by a church in Scotland to do kids' ministry. I'd been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I'm, you know, about to have my third baby. I have a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and I'm about to have a brand-new baby. I'm an associate pastor at the church, and I really need to be in the main church on Sunday morning available to people. And so I had absolutely no concept or no leading that I should be helping with kids ministry. And I remember one day, I don't know what Cameron said, but I actually thought, well, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? You know, my thoughts are this. And I, I remember just this sudden illumination coming. I would have you go and do that. And so with my three week old baby nursing and my two other little kids and The two of us took over kids' ministry, and some of you will remember that season. And um, it was one of the best things I ever did. And the reason I'm giving you a plug for kids' ministry is because we're always giving plugs for kids' ministry in our church. 
But it was the willingness to go with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you need to look and say, well, Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to do? I know what I might gravitate towards, but what would you have me do in that season? Because when you follow him, when you say yes to him, you discover new giftings. You discover new aspects of who he is. And Scott is standing up. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, I got saved in this church in 1993. And um, so uh, I was 20 years old. I was a kid, yeah. I was just a just a baby, and um, and so over the years, I've done many many things. I served on the worship team, kids ministry, nursery. In fact, um, Chloe, who's uh, getting married today, when I very first got saved, we were in the old building downtown. I was in nursery, and I think she must have been like two or three years old. Three, she was three, and um, just this little baby with a really loud mouth, and. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple of those now. And uh, <laughs> I remember one, the, the person in charge would keep saying, Chloe, you don't need to shout. Chloe, you don't. Use your inside voice. And now that's what I say to my kids. Like, don't use your normal voice. Use a quieter than normal voice. Um, don't use your normal voice, yes. <laughs> yeah. The new normal is <laughs> down here. So I painted the ceiling black. And... Um, I'm ha- yes, and I'm happy that it's not peeling. When I had this fear inside of me because um, I uh, went to the school up in Toronto and it was in an, at that time in an old factory and someone had painted the ceiling white years before and there were strips of paint kind of peeling and hanging down and they would kind of fall like snowflakes um, every now and then. And, and when we swept the building, yeah, no. There were, there were always kind of uh, paint chips that you'd be sweeping up, and I was like this terror inside of me. Of, so I, I bought the right paint, it looks like. Um, but yes, serving. I think what's great is that it's a privilege to work together with God to build what he wants to build on this earth. And what if we weren't allowed to serve what if we could only be spectators? Um, you know, what if we only were told what to do and just had to sit there and, um, and didn't get to get up and help? Yeah. I think that would be hard, don't you? Yeah. I mean, when we're doing stuff around the house, our kids will often ask if they can help. You know, especially right now, it's cooking. You know, if we're cooking something they want to cut something up or they want to throw something in the pan or they want to open it up. And we normally say no. Um, (laughs) But God is so much better than us (laughs) that he says yes. (laughs) He wants us to help and to partner. And the things that I do say, come and do this with me, they seem to say, well, I don't really want to do that. Um, Though when I was cutting down trees, Isaac was very keen to use the axe. And um, yeah, he was hitting, he was striking things with the axe. Um, but to me, when I look at serving, it's like this is our opportunity to build something eternal and to, to partner with God and to labor and to, um, to have that kind of significance um, in our lives. When we look at Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 4, 
this is where the apostles were kind of, uh, you know, the church was growing and some complaining rose up about, you know, things that were being neglected. And, um, and so the apostles said, well, it's not good for us to leave prayer and studying of the word behind to serve tables. So let's raise up some people. So find among yourselves uh, some people that are qualified. And it was people that are spiritually minded, people that have this gifting. Let's pull that up real quick up there. And um, talking about what qualifies them. And this is just for serving tables. You know, this was like, again, manual labor. And, um, and then the twelve summon the multitude. Let's go to the next one. It is not desirable that we should... Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and um, good reputation. This is to serve tables. They're looking for these guys. And as it turns out, these seven were, were amazing. Yeah. You know, we learned that Stephen um, goes on and he's, he's doing things. He's preaching the gospel. He's healing people. And he becomes the first martyr uh, in the new church. And, um, and then later on, Philip goes down. He was one of the seven and was preaching in Samaria, and revival breaks out. He's the guy that the, the Lord says, go into the desert, and he meets the eunuch, and he baptizes the eunuch, and then he gets caught up to another place, and he ends up in Caesarea. And then later on, Paul stays at his house, and he has four daughters that prophesy. And so we see, like, wow, these guys went on and grew in their ministry, but they started out serving tables. And a lot of times, if we, if we are interested in ministry or we want to do the stuff or we, we'd love to do something important, we're looking to come in at that top level of just plug me in right now. Give me the mic. Who wants to come up and preach right now? You know, like, I just want to do the, those things. And yet, often we have to start in the lowest place. And we have to be willing to do that. Why? Because we're serving the body. Yeah. It's not about, the ultimate thing isn't about my ministry. Yeah. It's not about, oh, great, let me show you what I can do or let me use my gifts in the right way. It's where is the need? Where does the Lord have need? And am I willing to serve the Lord? Am I willing to minister to his body? Come on. Because that's what it's all about, Right? Am I willing to minister to his body? Second Peter, or First Peter, second chapter, talks about how we are as living stones being built together into a house to offer sacrifices to him. And we are being built together. We're living stones being built together. And it's when we come together, we can minister to the needs of others. And we can serve the needs of others. You know, we could look at this church and we could look at all the things that happen and we could say, well, um, is, are all of those things necessary? Are all those ministries necessary? But what would it look like if you took them away? Yeah. You know, if you took away kids' ministry, if you took away worship, or if you took away this and that, and you had a big group of you that got together, and um, it'd be like, you know, we just kind of get together and all the kids are running around and 
we worship God, you know, we read some scriptures, hear a sermon, that's great. Wouldn't it be cool if someone could come up with something for the kids? <laughs> I've got this amazing idea. Like, you know, I could play a song. You know, like, if you took it all away, someone would reinvent it and say, wouldn't it? Like, we should do something like this. And that's why those things are here. It's because at one point, someone said, like, well, instead of having the kids just sit and get told no over and over again through the whole service, what if we did something that they could relate to so they could learn about God, too? That's how that happened. And so when we do these things, it all has a purpose. It all has a plan um, to build and to serve the Lord's body. And I think this, I think it is a great pathway to maturity because when you serve, it costs you something like when you pull back and you're not involved, um, it's easy to kind of just be a part and be your own person. But when you are working side by side, if things don't go well, it pushes your buttons If you don't like the person you're working side by side with, it pushes your buttons. I see someone pointing a finger. No, they're not pointing. They're itching their arm on the chair. Okay. (laughs) I was on this ministry trip um, uh, one time uh, years ago with this and this whole team. And there was this one guy and he absolutely bugged me because he did the goofiest things. And when I look back, I'm like, yeah, he really did do the goofiest things like Why was he like that? Why did he do that? But I became uh, so righteous in my holding him at arm's length. You know, because if someone does goofy things, you kind of have the right to hold them like this, right? And to treat them a little lesser than, right? Like, come on. No, (laughs) no, you don't. But and I didn't realize I was doing that. I thought I was just being right and not not mingling with wrong. You know, let's not let's not get too warm and close with, you know, people that don't act the way we like. And but God showed me after weeks of having anger and bitterness build up to where when he wasn't around, I'd be thinking about what he's I bet. I wonder what he's doing now. Oh. Here comes in the room. There it is. There it is. You know what I mean? And then one day, um, God challenged me, and I just thought, oh, maybe I'm the one with the problem. Maybe the guy that's doing everything right is the one with the problem. And, um, and something in me broke, and I, and I went to him, and, um, and I repented for something that I had done that was really minor. And, um, and I decided to embrace him and love him. And, and this grace came on me, and I treated him like he was the kind of guy I'd really like to get to know and hang out with. And from that moment on, m- my life changed forever. And I love that guy. I've never once gone back to thinking about that. You know, but I had to serve with him. I was in a team of 12 people in confined places, being driven around in a van, living in other people's houses where I'm not in control of my life. I can't get away and have my own space. I have to live with this person. I have to be side by side with them. 
and it pushed my button. And when you serve with people, it's going to push your button. What is it that makes you angry? It's going to make you angry. Guess what? Maybe it's your fault. (laughs) Isn't that fun? (laughs) Yeah. But, But if that's the case, if all that is the case, do you really want, would you really want to continue in life that way anyway? Wouldn't you want that stuff to come to the surface and be dealt with? I mean, have you ever reached the point in life where you realize, oh, I'm the jerk. (laughs) I can't believe I was, that's what I looked like. That's what I do. Like, I don't want that. Have you ever reached that point? Well, a good way to become a nicer person is to serve and volunteer. To get involved. When you get involved and your passion stirs up, your ideas stir up, and someone says, no, that's not a good idea. Boom. All right, that'll test your heart. Right? It's through serving that we have a, a deeper opportunity to love people. We have a deeper, more significant opportunity to lay down our lives. This thought popped into my head today that we have to destroy the ring. You know what I mean? What is it that's precious to you? You have to destroy it. You have to destroy it to prefer what's precious to him. And do you know what's precious to him? The people that are sitting around you. He paid the highest price for those people. And the people that haven't even come in the doors yet. You have to destroy what's precious. And, and when you do, everything changes. I said this last night. I said sacrifice feels hard when you're resisting it. And then once, once you go through it and you do it, it just changes who you are and it becomes the new normal. You know, when you're, when you're about to have your first baby... You're not sure what to expect, and you just go through the furnace, (laughs) you know, and it changes everything. It changes your expectations, and then pretty soon it's the new normal. You know, you just, you get used to paying a price every day. And and I just want to challenge us, it should feel like hard work. When you're serving and volunteering, it should feel like work. That's how you know you're getting something done. You know, it's one thing to um, dream and imagine what it would be like to go out there and dig a hole in the ground. And then when you pick up a shovel and do it, after the third, you know, scoop, you sound like you're seven years old. And it's like, I can't do it. It's too hard. It's too hard. I can't do it. You know, well, that's what you need to press through until you come into a place of strength. I was talking to Sam the other day. I was clearing out a bunch of uh, We have an acre and a half, and it was all wooded. And I was clearing out trees. I had an axe, chainsaw, my rake. You know, and it's 85 degrees and 100% humidity. And I'm out there working, clearing brush, breathing in the DEET, the 100% DEET. That kind of makes you lightheaded. And Sam's just sitting there talking away. And he's like, um, Dad, what do you do for fun? 
you don't really do anything. I'm like, well, you know, I do, I do a couple things. And, and I'm like, Sam, I think this is fun. Like, I'm changing the shape of the land. I'm, like, making our house better. Like, I mean, it's hard work, but I, actually, I, I think it's fun because I'm engaged with it. I, I'm doing this thing. I'm getting it done. And he says, if you could have any invention, what would it be? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't relate to that kind of, like, thinking. Like, if you could just imagine me. one thing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I'm enjoying using these tools, Sam. I don't... And so he says, if I could have anything, I'd have like a portal that takes me to Minecraft, but it would be like the real Minecraft. And, um, and as he's saying it, I'm thinking like, well, Minecraft is all about like chopping things up and building them and moving them around. And I'm like, Sam, you know, this is like the real Minecraft. I'm like cutting down trees. I'm building stuff here. I'm moving materials around. And, um, and it's hard work. And he says, he says, no, Dad, I mean the real Minecraft. <laughs> Where you just push buttons. You know? And are we looking for the kind of church where we just push buttons and we only do what's easy and doesn't cost us something and what we like? Or do we want the real church where it's work and it's sweaty and it costs you something? All right, that is today's sermon. We're done on time.